here we go. BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. I'm D. I'm B. I, for my part, am a comedian, writer, scientist in the loosest sense of the word. I am a writer and a parent and a watcher of TV. Yes, this is a podcast about TV. Well, it's about a lot of stuff. TV leads us into other... Sex, love, religion, gender, binaries, cooking recipes. Binary stars. Astrophysics. Astro... Pizzas. Astronomics. Mm -hmm. Astrologics. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe. No. Yeah, well, it's been a long-running thread of mine to eventually do your whole astrological birth chart live on air. Sure. But, uh, you can make up as much meaningless shit as you like. Spoken like a true Leo rising. Am I right, folks? <laughs> Put your bets in now, You're right? So We're talking this is like an Aries moon type of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, you can say well, anything. Yeah. And that's why it's beautiful. It's a beautiful form of poetry that my generation has, for some reason, really embraced. I don't believe in astrology, and that's because I'm a Libra. But do you believe in Beatles? The Beatles? The Beatless. That little band. That's not a bad name for a band. Couldn't get it past, you know, day one. You couldn't register your band as the Beatless. As the Beatless? But I it's guess. just one extra word. One, one extra, extra letter. letter. Yeah. Let's try it. Oh, let's start a band <laughs> called the Beatless. And then. We might get to meet Paul. <laughs> yeah, time's running out on that one. Oh. <laughs> you made me at gunpoint watch uh, <laughs> Beyond the Universe. No, Across the Universe. <laughs> yes. I have found that the songs have been earworms in my head all week. Oh, and, I mean, I, of course, I know the original Beatles songs, but the, the new versions that they present in the movie mm-hmm. have been like running through my head all week. Oh, that's funny. So you're responsible for that horror. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, there was a lot of good songs in it. I am. And to be clear, there was no gunpoint. <laughs> I did not drug you and force you to watch this movie. No, okay. I drugged myself. <laughs> I, uh, In a manner of speaking. I drugged myself, kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so in this podcast, what we do is we each bring to the table one episode of TV, any, uh, usually a sitcom or animated show. Mm-hmm. This is not a rewatch podcast. We're oh, not. not. We're we not re- going we through We rewatch order. most of the things we've seen before, but not we're not going, going through, through the Simpsons in order. Yes, it's not methodical it's not <laughs> thorough it's not <laughs> discreet or continuous it is a fourth all, all m- state of matter it, it is completest in the sense that if we do this for approximately 40 straight years we will cover every episode of every show we've ever watched i don't even think that's, that's true. true i bet if we did this 40 years for 52 weeks th- that's what is that 2000 episodes yeah i know right? that still barely covers the simpsons you know the original batman had like 60 episodes in one season in one season yeah. no yes that's crazy i know okay well. we're not doing that what we are doing is each choosing one episode and um we were kind of um you know um writing's been on our mind this week uh we're both writers mm-hmm. neither of us are uh wga writers although not for lack of trying return my letters why don't you return my letters dear wga (laughs) 
so anyway, the writer's strike is happening. The great writer's strike of the 20s is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are hopefully just not into the second week of it. So if you're listening to this, which you are in the future, it's either something that was resolved historically fast or it's going so. historically long. We don't know. It's really, I've said it to you and I'll probably say it several times during this podcast. It's ridiculous that the studios know that they will have to come to the table and give the writers at least most of what they want and they're just not doing it. They're just stubbornly not doing it. it anytime the overlords try to pretend like they're not going to compromise with labor the people who are making your shit and your money Mm -hmm. they always do eventually it's just crazy that they're not going to do it expeditiously yeah but anyway it goes without saying i support the writers of course what choice do we have hate every producer i've (laughs) ever worked with you bald (laughs) short men well it is worth saying that this podcast depends entirely on the work of screenwriters because it's a tv podcast where we talk about episodes of tv and true and we all, haven't all done any reality crew. shows yet we haven't done any unscripted television that's true i guess uh magic for humans is oh that's true slightly unscripted although yeah although heavily scripted and uh doctored as we know <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i am not a justin wilman truther i just pretend to be because i think it's funny to because he's obviously just a, a, a sort of smaller deity right he's obviously <laughs> a mage like uh <laughs> sorcerer magic is real <laughs> it's just i mean magic just is real and that's okay um that's the only explanation yeah. for what he does <laughs> anyway um, so tv writing has been on my mind this week as well obviously this is this is what we're both coming to the table with i think is the idea of being a writer making a living as a writer and yeah. uh, collective bargaining <laughs> as a as a tool of of the labor movement yeah and then um we'll end the show with us collective bargaining as I beg for sex. <laughs> <laughs> and you tell me what I have to do. Yeah, well, bargaining is or the other way is one of about Sometimes seven or eight <laughs> steps in the sex process. There's depression. Oh, seven. There's anger. You know. Denial. <laughs> bargaining. Yeah. Okay. So. And finally, acceptance. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, we're doing it. so i've brought to the table an episode of bojack horseman awesome it's in the two timers club it's in the two timers club one of the best series from front to back i think this episode is an intense one it's a season six episode season six episode six it's called the kidney stays in the picture and if the seasons were stages of grief the season six would be acceptance at least Mm -hmm. later in the series because that's when he finally like comes to terms with the fact that he's an asshole. Yes. He's aging. He's an old man now. Mm-hmm. Most people don't like him. Uh, a lot of acceptance going on. And when I thought of this episode, I thought of it because this is the one where the assistants strike. Okay. Awesome. Can't wait. Love Bojack. And it's almost as good as the series I'm bringing to the table. I mean, we both talked about wanting to bring mm-hmm. this show on the podcast, but I'm doing it first. One of the silliest, funniest sitcoms of all time from three of the writers from the state, David Wayne, Michael Showalter, and Michael Ian Black. It is Stella, one of the greatest shows ever. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. it's pure 
it's almost pure id of character. It's like there's nothing. It's almost a cartoon, this show. It's almost, and I don't know if they would appreciate this, it's almost clowning. <laughs> You're no fan of clowns, I might, I yeah. might venture to say. but I made the rule that there would be no clowning on this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, I have lots of friends who are into clown, as they call it. Mm-hmm. They don't call themselves clowns. They say, <laughs> I like to do clown. <laughs> it's great. A, a lot of comedians do it, and um, at its heart, clowning is just trying to be silly in ways that are entertaining for people to watch that's kind of like freeing yourself like stella this isn't the episode that we're going to watch but one of my favorite moments of all time is when they're mad at the apartment manager for yelling at them for Uh skateboarding and then they just walk around going and like hanging their arms and their heads and just going it is clown it's (laughs) it's just like a clownish exaggeration of what a six-year-old does when mm-hmm. you say you can't have ice cream or something yeah. and it's kind of the basis for the whole show um the, the episode that uh, we're gonna watch today is novel one of my favorite episodes and we're gonna get to see one of my favorite comedians janine garofalo uh who stars as a, a writer a novel writer That then becomes sort of a uh, foil for the group. It is episode eight. I think there was only one season. So season one, episode eight is known as novel. As far as I can tell right now, you can only watch Stella on dailymotion.com. It's free with ads there. Or buy the DVD. I saw David Wayne was selling the DVDs on his website. And uh, I do have a videotape. I forgot about this. I have a VHS tape with all the Stella episodes on it that mm-hmm. I recorded off TV. I do have, and I also have a DVD of their shorts, the Stella shorts. Mm-hmm. Paul Rudd shows up and there's a lot more dick jokes because <laughs> it's not on TV. <laughs> it left to his own devices, David Wayne would be just a dick joke machine. <laughs> He is the real libido of the group. He is the, I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking about how they are pure id. Mm-hmm. He is the erotic drive. He's the eros. Of, of, yeah, of their of their impulses. He's constantly, and th- which we'll see in this episode. He gets oh, to have right. some sex in this episode. Yeah, he seduces Garofalo's character. I think what we should do is what we always do, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is we are going to take a break and we are going to plan to take over the world. Watch together yes we're gonna take over the world and we're gonna watch these two episodes together then we'll be right back and we'll do a little summary of them and we'll talk about the topics that come up in them as always you can subscribe to garage tv that's g-r-a-g-e dot tv if you become a subscriber of that website you can watch our watch alongs where we watch the shows along and uh also you can go to our patreon what is it? Slash BDFM pod on Patreon. We are BDFM pod on Patreon. You can follow us on Garage TV. Lots of things at BDFM pod. Anyway, we'll do more of that, I guess, at the end. What else? That's Let's it. See. We're open to you going and watching these shows yourself or not. You can make that choice. We will come back and give a very brief, all too brief synopsis of each show. Okay. There you have it. There it is. In a nutshell. No, this is our podcast in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell. Okay. That was a <laughs> Mike Myers joke. Here we go. Into the break. 
BDFM is brought to you by 1-700-Flowers. It's almost Mother's Day. Did you know that you should send flowers to your mother or anybody's mother that you have met? So call 1-700-Flowers. It's a real phone number. 1-800 is toll free. This 1-700 is, toll is toll full. <laughs> it's a very expensive call and we'll keep you on the line. But you know what's not expensive? While. What's not expensive is these flowers. Because it's they go for only nine ninety nine. Mother's love. Nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, and and that's cheap compared to some things. And what our technicians will do is you, you order flowers, you give them your address, and they are going to drive around your neighborhood and just pick your neighbor's flowers. Is it legal? No. But will your mother ever find out? Probably not. With our patented flower thievery technology. What we say is, what our lawyers say is, if it's outside, it's free. <laughs> that is a law. The outside keepers law. Outside keepers. One, seven hundred flowers. Boy. We'll steal them for you. And we're back. Welcome back. We just watched BoJack Horseman and Stella, two great shows. That go great together. Mm-hmm. God, Stella was so funny. This wasn't the the funniest BoJack, but it was still... Uh, yeah, it was a little intense, actually. You want to give us the rundown of BoJack first? Well, this is the BoJack where the Hollywood assistants go on strike. That's why I chose this episode, of course, because I'm thinking about the writer's strike that's happening now and and unions in general and such things. Mm-hmm. So the assistants are on strike and the city is completely shut down. <laughs> Everything is just crumbling. It's a disaster. And so they Princess only have Carolyn, one demand, which is to be treated with respect. And mm-hmm. Turtle Top immediately says, well, we can't help you and walks out. Yes. So Turtle Top and Princess Carolyn uh, go about attempting to break the strike by dividing the leaders of the strike against each other by promoting them and giving them basically nothing. Their own assistance. Giving them their own little, yeah, little credits, vanity credits and their own assistance, yeah. In a parking space. And they are, they're able to almost successfully break the strike. And then Princess Carolyn sort of gets a flash of empathy, remembering her time as an assistant, the thankless stuff she had to do, all for the promise of someday being something better than just an assistant mm-hmm. so she she ends up giving Stuart the number Stuart you know the clueless like last holdout of the strike she ends up giving him the number of Judah her former assistant who is an incredibly competent efficient and effective guy so he immediately comes to the table and it's clear he's going to kick their ass which Princess Carolyn obviously is in favor of that's one story that's going on. The main story, I would say, is concerns Bojack, who is just at the tail end of his stint in rehab. We know that he has he got a little bit addicted to being in rehab and tried to stay longer than he, he should have. In the previous episode, he helped another he helped someone escape rehab and attend a party, and mm, that it, girl, yeah. it ends up with um, him 
having well all along he's had a contraband bottle of a water bottle full of vodka that he's kept with him while he's been in rehab and his therapy horse has drunk this bottle of vodka falls off the wagon yeah and so he wakes up and bojack is is sort of tasked with trying to convince him to get help and not just try to hide it (laughs) try to go back and continue doing therapy while drunk and they end up having some intense therapy sessions while the therapy horse is just raving drunk at, at Bojack for letting this happen to him. Yeah, and Bojack comes to a lot of conclusions, including the guy says, I hope you don't remember this, I think. And, and Bojack's like, I remember everything now. I'm sober. Mm-hmm. That's the second. That's probably the A story. And then the B yeah, story. And then, and then the, the third story. The third story, which sort of names the episode, is uh, about Todd dealing with the fact that his mother needs a kidney transplant. His stepdad, Jorge Chavez, has come to ask for his help in possibly donating a kidney to his mother, and even though they are estranged, that Todd doesn't have a kidney to give away because he sold it so that he could buy sock puppets the, the previous week. And this story goes into Todd's relationship with his stepdad and, and his mom. how he's seen and his mom and how he's he's estranged from them and how he's he feels that they don't care about his happiness they're just keep you know asking him to live up to a standard that he's not interested in they get the kidney because todd's white and cute and Mm -hmm. the security guard after a a bunch of breaking in and trying to steal the kidney the security guard basically just gives it to him yes and instead's like oh you're white yeah exactly jaime camille is the voice actor who plays Jorge Chavez. He plays the doctor on Schmigadoon. Oh, yeah. He voiced the dad from Coco. Oh, shit. He was a voice on a Disney cartoon called Elena of Avalor, which is this sort of uh, pan-Latin princess (laughs) uh, who can speak to ghosts or something. And um, anyway, he is a... He was on the original original Ugly Betty, which was called La Fea Mas Bella. And... Mm. He's also on Jane the Virgin. So this guy's got a great career. He's got an iconic voice. Also, shout out in this episode, we see that while Bojack has been in a rehab called Partridges, uh, he then checks the therapy horse into another rehab called Pastiches. This is a joke on the two rehabs we have here nearby in Malibu. One is called Passages and the other is called Promises. I don't know that they're both operational still. I did not catch that. It is a Hollywood joke. There is another... A uh, great Hollywood joke when the assistants go on strike and everyone who has assistants has no idea how to do anything. One of them goes, can someone get me a reservation at Little Dom's? <laughs> Little Dom's being a place uh, near where we're recording this. Mm-hmm. I used to live near there back when it was called La Belle Epoque. Okay. Back in, back in the good old days, I guess. The Dirty Aughts? Long, long ago. So that was Bojack Horseman. It ends with Bojack leaving rehab, like you said. Oh, finally. Uh, And he gets a cab ride home to his house. And the episode ends with him about to open his door. The first Mm -hmm. half of this season dropped uh, in late October of 2019. And then the second half of the season dropped in January of 2020. Is this the second half? It's probably the last episode of the first half, I I would think. So you might have had to wait from October to January to see Bojack open his door and see what was going to happen in the next episode. I think, I don't know what happens in the next episode, I forgot, but 
the idea is he's afraid to go home because everyone's gone. Todd's gone. Diane's mm-hmm. gone. Diane lives in Chicago now with her new boyfriend, who she mm-hmm. has a stable relationship with for the first time, played by Lakeith Stanfield. Other notable things, the, the the organ, what was the organ store called? It said for all your organ needs, and <laughs> just to stay honest, they sold things for musical organs, and also they sold human organs. <laughs> Some great stuff. A l- little Easter eggs from earlier shows, like the uh, cab company that, ta- that Todd started. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd's doing a sock puppet play of Brokeback Mountain for... Princess Carolyn's <laughs> yeah. adopted daughter. He's doing a scene between Michelle Williams and the late great Heath Ledger. Which is what kicks off the kidney story because he donated a kidney for the <laughs> socks. For the socks. Oh, God, it's so funny. Right, pres- presumably, like, yeah, who knows? He we don't know what Todd does with his money, but maybe he, he sold he... his own kidney for sock pup- for two sock puppets, which is just two socks <laughs> and I guess googly eyes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to have to talk about clowns for some reason. This episode keep coming up, but um, there is definitely something to be said about Todd as a like sort of holy fool archetype. He is functionally yeah. sort of Bojack's jester in a way. He functions as a, not just because he's comic relief, but he is a visionary. <laughs> yeah, but he's also the bulletproof. He's like the Forrest Gump sort of. Mm-hmm. Or the being there. Kind the of being there kind of thing. By the way, Charlie Day has a new movie coming out. Yes. Uh, based somewhat it's on... It's Chaplin-esque and it's very there. conception. Anyway. I want to see that. a side note. I can't wait to see it. Okay. That was Bojack. S6E6. The kidney stays in the picture. Mm-hmm. And then we watched Stella. Season one, because there is only one season of Stella. Episode eight called Novel. Oh, my God. Okay. So Stella is basically... Three guys who live in an apartment together. David Wayne, Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black. They wear suits and they do silly stuff. Um, in this episode, it starts with them eating breakfast and they want to... They feel like they haven't accomplished anything. So they decide, oh, there's a... Uh, this novelist is at a bookstore and they want to go down there and talk to her. And they do this <laughs> this clown thing, which is... They're all like, let's go. And they all at the same time try to get up and their legs don't work and they fall over. It's just like a (laughs) bit that they do repeatedly in this episode. They go down to the book reading. Somebody brings on Jane Burroughs and immediately Mike Lee and Black yells, you go, girl, (laughs) in a quiet bookshop. They do a a Q&A. Jane Burroughs is played by Janine Graffalo. She's great. I can't believe she's not. It's still in movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Please come back. I know you listen to this podcast, Janine. <laughs> she does a Q&A. They ask her about like how they can become writers, basically. And she gives them some advice about, you know, write, write about what you know. Then David goes, oh, uh, okay, stupid question, but uh, what's a book? <laughs> then they go home and they decide to write a book. And they get a typewriter and they, they say, we should, we should write about what we know, which is three guys. We'll call them Michael, Michael, and Craig. <laughs> and David's like, what? And they start writing and they do all kinds of bits on writing. It's basically just them taking turns doing the dumbest, clowniest writing uh, <laughs> on the typewriter. And they're walking down the street writing on the typewriter. They're, yeah, they're playing instruments, crazy stuff. While writing, they finish the book on paper. 
there's one copy of the manuscript and David's like, I'm going to take it over. I think they take a vote or something. David is voted to take it over to Jane's house. He just shows up at her New York flat and she uh, she answers the door and she goes, how did you get this address? And David's just like, I know, right? Anyway, <laughs> which I think is the funniest line ever. She starts reading the book and it's terrible, but she loves it. It's like, it, it's the first line is something like, there was this writer lady and these three guys. And she's like, this isn't half bad. <laughs> so anyway, she said, said earlier that she had taken it in advance for her second book, but has writer's block. So mm-hmm. immediately she hatches a plan. She seduces David, which is easy. <laughs> and they make love and she steals the manuscript. Then David goes home where he finds Michael and Michael doing impressions of French writers. What fancy writers. They're like dining al fresco, except in, they're not at a bistro. They're just like <laughs> they're on the sidewalk. On the sidewalk for their house with, with a glass of wine and a pipe. And Showalter has a little pencil mustache. Yeah, it's a little Steinbecky. And I'd then say. Black has like this beret and a little French Van Dyke <laughs> mustache, uh, beard like glued on or something. Your favorite line happens. Where My favorite line, which is when, show, which one says it? Black it's, says, uh, Black says you know to, what, what was it? To, what was it? Joan Didion said, and Joe Walter goes, "Oh, Joan, who cares?" <laughs> so they're just doing their impression of being writers. The neighbor girls, Andrea Rosen, by the way, who's kind of podcast, she's very funny, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, make fun of them. Oh, yeah, they're come, always walking by and making fun of. There's often conflict like, what with the bo- girls. What's your book upstairs. called? Upstairs the stupid idiots or something. I don't know some <laughs> some burn anyway they find out the manuscript is gone when David gets back they they go over to her house she's like oh the cleaning person threw it out you're fired Louisa and then Showalter finds a manuscript and's like what's this it says a book called the three guys with your name on it and she's like oh <laughs> she, she everything's so melodramatic she's like I have an explanation think woman think (laughs) and then she goes i wrote a book with the same name as yours and i'm going to publish it they figure out it's their book and she's stealing it and they say she goes oh can i just see that for a second (laughs) shoulders like yeah sure and hands it to her so she runs out this is how she escapes she goes Look, a deer. A baby deer. A baby deer (laughs) in the apartment. They all turn to look. She escapes with the manuscript. And it takes them a long time (laughs) to figure out there's no baby deer. Michael does, uh, Black does one of the the best takes when he's like, so you mean the whole time she was talking about the baby deer, she was lying? I'm going to look one more time for that baby (laughs) deer. And he looks and he just shakes his head. (laughs) Pure clownish hilarity. So then they decide she's running to the publisher and has a head start. <laughs> so they decide to first run home, rewrite the book on the typewriter. And it says 45 minutes later. This time all, all three, three of them typing. have their hands on the keypad at the same time. And they're going in. They lived happily ever after. They uh. finish the book. Showalter immediately grabs it, <laughs> throws it into a, a lit fireplace, which has never been in their apartment before, by the way. And then immediately looks at it and goes, I threw the book in the (laughs) fireplace and that was wrong. And I'll be the first to admit it. (laughs) So that was pointless. All of Showalter's line reads are 
amazing there's he, there's just no yeah wow there's no like predicting what he's gonna do it's all it's this he's very the funniest one thing. this this might be controversial but of all the people in the state showalter is the funniest to me so they pointlessly waste 45 minutes rewriting the book then throwing it in the fire and then they go chase after her <laughs> oh and then they see her bi- bicycle by and ring the little bell and be like and like a yeah i'm getting away boys <laughs> and they, right they, and then they jump into a rickshaw, uh, which David is running, and the other and the Michaels are, are sitting in, and they chase her on her bike. They corner her in a garage, but then she pulls out two guns and she says, "I'm going to kill you and take the book." And Showalter goes, he was talking about bologna sandwiches earlier in the show, and and now he goes, "Can I just eat my bologna sandwich before you kill us?" And she's like, "Sure, that sounds reasonable." He takes the bologna and throws it at her face, <laughs> and she does the greatest take, which is like, "Ah!" <laughs> she reacts to the bologna as if it's scalding like it's her by just touching her, <laughs> yeah, or like it's a, or like it's a dangerous spider or something. She just flips it's out. like it's burning her face off. Yeah. So, uh, but then she gets away again, and um, they try to go after her. Oh, because they because <clears throat> she runs out screaming. They run out she, after her. They get to her, their rickshaw, and there's now a sign on it. This is out of order. One of them goes, "What if? What if Jane just put that sign on there?" <laughs> and Michael Ian Black is like, "I don't want to take that chance. Do you?" Yep. Yeah, you're right. So she gets away with it. She publishes the book. The book comes out. Now we do a time jump. They're mm-hmm. back at breakfast. They're like, oh, Jane's book came out. Let's go confront her at the opening. So they go down to the opening. Mm-hmm. There's all these fancy New York people there, and they stand on a stairwell above her, and they go, J'accuse. You know, they, they go, we have something to say to you. And somebody walks up and interrupts them, and is like, the reviews are out. And the review is terrible. Uh, it's it's they call it sexist, achingly dull, and <laughs> literature's most loathsome characters. So Jane is embarrassed in front of everyone, and then the guys just like kind of slink out. <laughs> They're like, yeah. "What did you want to say? Nothing, nothing." <laughs> she tries to deny that she wrote it. She tries to say she tries to say she, everyone's just leaving and not. She's, they don't want to hear. She she wrote it for someone else. Oh, then we cut to them at a computer now and they're writing another novel presumably about <laughs> jane getting her comeuppance yes, right. they talk about how they got their revenge and they got the revenge by writing about it then they finish and they hit save and somebody says now that's on a computer it can't be ruined or something and showalter pulls out a sledgehammer <laughs> which is under the table and sledgehammers the computer and then he's like oh. and i think that just cuts I think that's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they ended up writing three terrible novels. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of them, two of them are destroyed and one of them is published under someone else's name. Wow. Um, very funny. It's it, it's so clowny, like you say, that they just do these bits where it's like in any sitcom, the characters would stand up from breakfast and walk to go do what they're doing. And in this one, they're just like, that's too boring. Yeah. We're going to all pretend like our legs don't work and fall over for no reason. They don't make a lot of jokes the way characters on sitcoms do because they yeah, are such true. characters. It's so arch. Like everything that they're saying everything is funny is because joke. they're just ridiculous and goofy and they're either they're either being way too serious about something or their idea that they're having is really dumb but they're really earnest about it. It's, it's like the three stooges mm-hmm. in that way as well. It's like it is kind of yeah, it's very physical. It's very farcical. It's almost the opposite of Bojack. Bojack is overwritten, 
Bojack is all writing and it's all pop culture references. Yeah. Like Turtle Tob does a whole line of Billy Bob Thornton jokes. Yeah, based on Billy Bob being stinky. Sling so like, blade, more like, like please bathe. bathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. He does a series of puns on every Billy Bob Thornton movie, mm-hmm. which is very funny, but written jokes. And like you said, Stella is almost the opposite. It's like there's almost no written jokes. It's just mm. arch satire. It's just they're always just doing an impression of what someone would do, I guess. Yeah, but it's very simple in a way. It's somehow archetypal or something. Whereas, yeah. yeah, but whereas Bojack is all about these really specific details. Like the I know right line. When David says, I know right, <sighs> it was in a time in 2005 when everyone was saying, I know right. It was like yeah. an annoying mm-hmm. thing that people were saying a lot. Yeah. It wasn't somebody, nobody said it in the year 2000, but in 2005, yeah. everyone was saying, I know right. It was just like this weird meme of. Mm-hmm american dialect that was going around so they they put it in and it's not a joke but it's so funny yes he's just sort of doing an impression of of all of us all of us just like when he says uh i I wouldn't call myself religious but i am spiritual yeah i don't think that god is like actually like a man with a beard in the sky (laughs) but maybe we were all like like everything we all recognize this conversation we've all had this conversation yeah everybody had that when they were stoned in college (laughs) <laughs> amazing two different really amazing styles of writing mm-hmm. which we will now miss because all writers are dead <laughs> um okay this is a side note speaking of writing you said that you that the first episode of buffy that you had seen is the silent episode i did say that now i remember at the time the press around that episode i read joss describing it this way himself he said something like Everyone was talking about the writing on the show. The writing, the writing, the writing. So good. But it's mm. all about the dialogue on this show. So then I was like, so I'm going to do something with no words. But looking back, I was like, Joss, I'm sorry. Did you think they were all going, the writing is so good? Or do you think Do you think maybe they were saying, this is really written? <laughs> like, oh. what were they saying, honey? <laughs> like, what was it? Because I remember it being him being like, yeah, everyone loves my dialogue. And, you know, and I'm not sure that's. The writing is very apparent in this. The writing is very apparent, yes. Seemingly unrelated. Mandy Patinkin posted a video of himself today just standing there staring into space for like a minute. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this is what I do on set without writers. Oh, that's It was cute. really cute. So, Yeah. What would there be without writing? There, it, Yeah, there's something about the brilliance. Both these shows are different, but they... But they but they both br- break the mold in different ways, I guess. They're they're both attractive to people with more avant-garde sensibilities. I think Todd would like Stella, though. Do you think? I think he would, he get, would get it Stella? on a deep level because I think that's kind of how he relates to things. His, yeah, he is the character who would be like, "I decided I'm not going to walk today." You know, Bojack might not. Just, yeah, Diane and her boyfriend would definitely be <laughs> the people that would be into Stella. Some Chicago hipsters. It's really cool to see. Diane's arc in the show is great because she's a little uptight and lost. And then when she settles in, they make her chubbier, mm-hmm. yeah. w- which is really cute because you can see that, like suddenly she's happy. Mm-hmm. She's with somebody who actually respects her. And she points out at one point that 
her meds are gonna make her gain weight. She's afraid that she she, she mentions that her oh really her psych meds will make her gain weight, and then it, visually there's a, there's a time when guy comes back. He's out of town, and he comes back and. He sees that she's a little chubbier, and it's a visual way of her being like, I, I'm taking my meds. <laughs> like, mm. and It's kind of like a positive, like you said, like it represents her positive uh, mental health instead of yeah, instead of, instead of any other sitcom, which would mm-hmm. that would be fat jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on it's Always Sunny, which is also a great sitcom that would just lead to, yes, you know, uh, fat ass jokes. Mm-hmm. But uh, also that's it's not refreshing exactly but it's interesting to see a depiction of of mental health on tv where what the person is not eating when they're not doing well and it, that's often we see binge eating as mm. a symptom of depression visually in movies we see a lot of sure. like junk food consumption um i def i eat less when i'm depressed I, mm-hmm. I i stop eating when i'm depressed in a lot of ways bojack is is out there as it is, it's very grounded. Like, you know, you have birds and coyotes and uh, mm, kitty mm-hmm. cats and dogs are all humanoid. And it's really silly. And the background jokes are often very silly. Yeah. I think there was a, there was a scene where there was just like an empty office and just like a coyote eating something. <laughs> yes. Which directly maps onto a desolate town with an actual coyote. But... Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess what I'm yeah. saying is the, then the topics are so real. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's actually, if you were just to listen to the watch-alongs and you'd never seen BoJack, you might miss the fact that we're talking about a world where animals are people and people are an- live with animals. Like this is, the conceit of the show is it's, really strong. It's it's not even notable when you it, watch it. It's so it. realistic, but it informs every single aspect of all of the backgrounds of the show. You see great, there's all of these wonderful things of birds flying around in the background and then landing and buying a hot dog or something. You know what mm. I mean? Like I'm, all these things about what would animals really do if they were interacting this way. But then you have these grounded things where in this episode you have a therapy horse telling Bojack, you can't listen to me because I'm a horse, which means I remind you of your father. And Bojack has this breakthrough where he's like, yeah, my parents were horses and so I'm a horse. So I subconsciously want to punish myself. But since I'm famous, I never get punished, Mm -hmm. so I act out more, and that's why I drink. Yeah. And he's talking about how he doesn't have any meaningful relationships with other horses, which is no other show would have this Mm. conceit. It's it's like animals or people, but he really... It's post-racial in a way. They they portray the world as being post-racial because instead of Mm -hmm. a few races, there's hundreds of races. Everyone is kind of different Yeah, there's millions of species. Um, But it's also sort of a gendering in a way too like it's it's just a way of showing difference sure in in lifestyle and in in ways of being and stuff yeah i was thinking like what is the analogy to the writer strike the studios can't just promote all the writers to (laughs) meta writers right they all become head writers or something or promote everyone that that's what they should ask for everyone's a head writer now (laughs) even the pas but that doesn't really work because head writers are also WGA. They're, they're not. You don't cross <laughs> yeah, the, to the other side when you become a head writer. You're still on the side of writers. Yeah. You don't become a studio exec. And no writer wants to be a studio exec, <laughs> so that's not a uh, a good uh, carrot to yeah. hold out for writers. So, sorry, stinky, old, fascist, horrible executives. You don't get to uh, get out of it that easy. Mm-mm. But, I mean... 
let's talk about what they want. It's really about streaming. It's a little bit about AI and mm-hmm. it's a little bit about credit and pay, but it's mostly about streaming. The last writer strike, mm-hmm. the last writer strike, they asked for streaming rights and streaming was new and they didn't get it because they basically kicked the can. They, they said, well, let's see how this streaming thing pans out. Yes. Maybe people won't like this brilliant new invention. Anyway, so now here we are 15 years-ish later. Mm-hmm. We've just streamed BoJack <clears throat> on Netflix. We stream everything now. Netflix's richest It's a creases. real concern because on TV you have ratings on Netflix. They don't tell you how many people watch. That's what the studios are trying to protect. They're trying to protect the secrecy of their, their viewership, mm-hmm. which is a big mistake. I think there's going to have to be some transparency where they say you know where they tell people how many views things are getting it's going to have to be a little bit more like syndication when the simpsons go into syndication every credited writer on that episode gets a check for 30 cents every Mm -hmm. time it plays and if it plays you know a thousand times a year they get the check for whatever that is but now nobody tells you how many times bojack has been streamed Right. So the BoJack writers have no idea how many times their work is being used, which mm-hmm. kind of should be illegal, but it's so profitable that they're they're really holding out. Yeah. I guess this doesn't bode well for a resolution because what I'm saying is they have to change the streaming model greatly mm. to accommodate the very reasonable request of writers being paid for syndication on streaming. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different world from... On 15 years ago. On the other hand, on Garage TV streaming network, which you can download for iOS and Android, <laughs> every view gets the owners of the show and presumably everyone involved gets paid per view. I, I say that as a facetiously, as an ad for my streaming network, but I mean, they might have to go to some sort of thing like that. Like. Mm-hmm. Every time a subscriber watches your show, you should get a penny, you know, or something. And that could translate into a lot of money. But again, they're not telling people how many views they're getting. Yeah, I mean, I know that it doesn't translate exactly from the way you explained the residuals of syndication. It's not going to translate exactly to streaming, but it's time to work out now what mm-hmm. what it works out to. They've been how avoiding do you bridge it, the gap between really you, you have millions of zillions of dollars... Mostly because you've got people paying for Netflix accounts, yeah, all over the damn world, and so many. I mean, so much money is coming in every month. Although I have heard that Netflix is plateauing apparently because mm. everyone who's going to watch Netflix has a Netflix account. Oh, and it's not there's like, not a lot of growth. There's there. not a lot of new people coming. So that's why they made the choice to but to sever people from their accounts if they're not. Yeah, they're trying to make a grab for. Whatever people sharing and stuff but uh, I don't know if that'll work maybe they'll figure it out but it's just I, I think one of the driving one of the you know uh, malignant forces driving this is the capitalist idea that companies have to grow mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. which yeah. is an impossibility but business people just say that <laughs> take it for granted that that's what you have to do yes it's an artificial construct of capitalism that because you have investors and they judge you based on growth 
rather than stable success. I don't know how to fix that exactly, but it's impossible to grow forever. So it seems to me like the most stable configuration is just a very good company that stays exactly the same size forever. Sure, but uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's rewarded in our economy. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Well, you get there. So, I mean, Netflix, if you're listening, Hulu, Paramount, Universal, the fuck? <laughs> the fuck? The fuck are you thinking? You're going to have to figure this out because you're squeezing the people that are producing content, and you can't do that forever. They, they like I said, kicked the can down the road 15 years, and that was probably a mistake by the arbiters the first time around but they were desperate to get back to work maybe they're thinking again they'll just wait until the writers are desperate to get back to work because writers need to work i mean we can't all do postmates (laughs) maybe that's why i'm getting less orders when i oh my goodness postmates because all the writers are out there doing it that's very possible but that's what we writers do when we're not in a in a room is the gig economy Mm -hmm. and um that's only temporary writing is supposed to be a uh, career Mm-hmm. And they're trying to make it a gig. And these people are not trying to have glamorous careers. They're not trying to be whatever like Hollywood screenwriter dream you might think. No. You know, it, the it's people that it's, write Bojack. It's just work. I've met some of them. They're just, you know, hardworking, normal, mm-hmm. blue collar people. It's a they're, creative they're job. Like mansions and Ferraris. Yeah. Like it's creative. It's not, it's not the it's same. You know, it's, it's not like anything else, but it's still something that people are producing for their work mm-hmm. and um unfortunately it's making other people very rich what drives the market down is there's so many of us that would love those jobs so writers can't go oh you have to pay me six figures mm-hmm. because there's always somebody we're willing to do it for four figures yeah um That's true. i me included you know i would, would desperately love to write for bojack but i would do it for very cheap (laughs) but i won't i'm not saying i would cross the picket line i would never i would only do it when you know there was no strike but i would that's why there's that's why there has to be a guild that's why Mm -hmm. you have to have a union because you can hire somebody to do it for very cheap Mm -hmm. but the union is there to make sure you're paying people what they're worth otherwise yeah, and later to make sure that those people don't get to join the union, the the people who well, who, uh, who scabbed. Oh, the scabs! No, yeah. I'm not the people who started at a low pay. That that's fine. No, no, no. Um, scabs, no. You you can be you can be blacklisted from the union, and that's a good thing because collectively we're much stronger. Union, yes. Rosie the Riveter, all those things. Mm-hmm. La Rasa. <laughs> I know it's different. I explained. I just like saying it. Um, what I'm saying is, yeah, it, collectively, we will all do better when the union stays strong and nobody scabs. When I was, um, I've also been a, um, a motion graphics designer on some movies. And man, some computer people are the dumbest people <laughs> you, you ever meet. That's why I, you know, I have an engineering degree, but I don't like engineering because engineers can be so thick headed. Uh, we were we were all in a computer lab working on motion graphics for the movie Speed Racer, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody was like, oh, "the the motion graphics people are thinking about uh, unionizing," and I was like, "Awesome, that would be great." And somebody's like, 
oh, fuck that. I could I could strike a better deal by myself. And I'm like, you yourself, really? you think that you're such a good fucking uh, little negotiator that you could walk in there with no support from anyone else and get a better deal than 10,000 people bound together <laughs> with the, the same goal of fair wages and pay? You're delusional because you're smart at computers. You're so stupid. It's Dunning-Kruger. It's the yeah. Dunning-Kruger of anti-union yeah. philosophy. It's like, I know computers. I'm smart. I can negotiate. <laughs> I negotiate. Look at me negotiating. It means nothing. It's like that Andrew Tate guy saying he could decimate a wolf. Oh, right. The guy that got arrested for... Yeah. Yeah. That was a great comeuppance. Yeah, what a jackass. I wonder what happened to that motion graphics designer. It was such a throwaway <laughs> thing to say, but I've thought about it for 10 years because it's just like, wow, one of the, that's one of the most conceited <laughs> and uh, of moronic things I've ever heard an engineer say. And I've heard a lot of moronic engineers say a lot of <laughs> stupid things. But that's truly that kind of sensibility is what needs to be exploited by the owners right to it's those to people break that the power of, of the, the workers drive down our wages and make mm -hmm. everybody miserable yeah it's those stupid people who think they're smart and those people will potentially get promoted to be execs right or to be oh, people right. in positions of power because they're not gonna say well, this doesn't really make sense. They're going to be like, oh, well, whatever. And it's like, you right. know what, kid? They're not we gonna could use say, someone like yeah, you. Yeah, because <laughs> you're not, they're not out for the common good. They're out for number one, even though mm -hmm. the common good would be better for them as well. They don't understand that. And uh, then they can be exploited. Yeah. Used, I say. Used. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was raised... To be very pro-union, you know. I'm sure there's people who have a very different view of it, but uh, the labor movement has been very important, and mm -hmm. protecting workers is uh, paramount. Mm. Get it? Oh, you mean it's universal? Oh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, uh, it's it's uh, Fox. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't work. It's Foxy. To uh, see BS. Oh, nice. Okay, wait. That could have been good in a. You you actually made that work. <laughs> CBS. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a pull quote. It's Foxy to CBS. <laughs> Universally accepted. <laughs> All right. What else? I think we're uh, we're over the hour. We're over our allotted hour and. Uh, they're banging on the door telling us to get out of our studio. Can you so. imagine how terrifying it would be if somebody <laughs> banged on the door of the basement we're in right now? I mean, it would be a Walking Dead situation, and we'd just we'd, we'd, we'd be running. It would mean that, that it's all over for us. We have a lot of weapons, though. So. Uh, yeah, they're I hate to tell you, but they're all sketch props. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. They're all, that, what do you call them, chattel? That's not a gun. It's a blow-up doll of a gun. And there's three swords. Uh, I'm looking at four swords right now, and they're all plastic. Two of them light up. Oh, really? Do we have lightsabers? Yeah, they're, they're, they're light. 
The saber-ish. I might say, but our lives. Oh. What did we learn? Have we? Don't throw your manuscript in the fireplace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't, don't trust ever Janine take Garofalo. a shot if it's out of order. That's true. It's dangerous. Safety first. I said don't trust Janine Garofalo, but the real lesson is, where are you, Janine? We need you now more than ever. We're going to get her on the podcast. We should pull a David Wayne, <laughs> show up at her door, and when she says, how did you get this address? We'll just be like, I know, I know right? right? This has been BDFM. I've been D. I've been B. The FM, as always, stands for fair market value <laughs> of writing. <laughs> it's higher than your pain. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the strike is over, someone hire me. That <laughs> <laughs> would be funny if throughout the strike we just refused to do any episodes that are written and we just pivot totally to unscripted television we <laughs> to have show to. the effects of the strike. We might run but, out uh, of written material before they come back. Yeah. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully they come to a great agreement that not only pays writers more, but necessitates more writers. Yes. But uh, until then, next week we're doing Love is Blind and Love Island <laughs> in the same episode. <laughs> we're it's going a to love fest. pull our eyes out. Uh. Did you say pull our eyes out <laughs> yeah. or ball our eyes out? Oh, my. Well, uh, with a melon baller. Or ball each other. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't seen Love is Blind. But Love oh, Island I sounds like it's bikini season. Yeah. <laughs> Look us up on the social medias and the internets. We are at BDFM pod almost everywhere. If you go to Garage dot tv g-r-a-g-e dot tv slash bdfm you'll find us there mm-hmm. our episodes are there you can our listen to us on your TV. favorite podcast app if you go to garage.tv you did all that mm-hmm. download my pinball game space captain pinball also can be found at garage.tv and on ios and android mm-hmm. i think we've stalled long enough <laughs> i think so time has come to say goodbye Until next time. Until next time. We will be watching TV. BDFM.